Welcome to the Weave Your Bliss podcast. I'm your host, Paula Crossfield, a Vedic astrologer and business coach helping you to live in your purpose. And that is what this podcast is all about. So let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am delighted to have Kestrel Gates on with me, who is the author of Build Your Nest Postpartum Planning Workbook, which guides parents in planning for rest, support, and care after their babies are born. This workbook has been translated into six languages with more in process. She serves her local community as a maternal health care advocate, supporting parents and professionals, and lives in, on the Oregon coast with her husband and two kids. This conversation was so fun to have because not only is Kestrel working with postpartum health, she's on a mission and she explains why this period of time is so important. And really, it applies much further than postpartum. It's how we think about people who are ill, who need rest. So her values really can extend outward from in this work. She's also a homesteader and a homeschooling mom. And so we talk about her journey and you know how she was raised in a similar way with her parents and why it's so important to her and some of the concepts that she really draws on to help build her community. I think you're going to love this episode. Even if you don't have kids like I don't, it's very meaningful to hear about how the next generation is being raised and the consideration that she brings to her work. So I hope it inspires you. And please share this podcast with someone you think would enjoy it. And make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks for being here. I really, really appreciate you. I know your attention is the most important asset that you have. And for you to be here with me is super meaningful. Have a wonderful day and enjoy this episode. Hello, Kestrel Gates. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Paula. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have you on. You know, your life on the farm has always been such an inspiration for me and you do so much amazing work that I'm excited to talk about it and share it with my peeps. So um, maybe we can start with that. Like you have a homestead, do creative work, you're, you know, doing practical arts on the farm and herbs and things. So like, can you talk a little bit about your journey and how you started in on this path? Is it something you learned in childhood from your family, for example? Oh, the path of home living in the country and homesteading? Yeah. Yes, actually. I was born in the 70s to back-to-the-land parents. My dad was a horseshoer, and uh, my parents had lots of horses and goats that they milked and huge gardens. And that was those were my earliest years. And then we moved to town, and life un- childhood unfolded in the other ways. But we moved here... Uh, almost nine years ago from Portland. And in Portland, we had fruit trees and chickens in our tiny little backyard. So it really felt like just an evolution of our city life, I guess, to move to two acres. We're about 20 minutes from town. And yeah, we have... That being Astoria, Oregon. (laughs) Astoria, yes. We're between Seaside and Astoria. Yeah, we have sheep and lots of chickens and big garden with lots of herbs and a young orchard that's just coming along. 
Beautiful. What inspired you to move? I mean, obviously, you had this experience in childhood, but like, what is it about that lifestyle that really appeals to you? Well, I think that having kids and wanting them to have a similar childhood. And also, we we work at home and we worked at home at that time. And so it felt like having a home that had more space to do the things that we loved. And I think also for us, community is really important. And Portland, we have a lot of community and close friends in Portland, but it's also has gotten so big and so busy that we weren't running into the people that we knew when we'd go to the farmer's market. And coming to a small town where there's just such a day-to-day lived experience of community life felt really nourishing for us. Yeah, I miss that about Astoria, as as some people may know. I used to live there. So (laughs) that's how I know Kestrel is from the community there. And, you know, just always so inspired by how you build community and help to weave that community. So it's lovely that we're just starting here. And so building off of this, you know, your work is really around women's health and postpartum health. And maybe you can talk about how that came about. How did you first start doing this work? And why did you find postpartum to be such an important place to focus? I actually, um, my interest in the childbirth realm started over 20 years ago. Uh, My dear friend was pregnant and asked me to be at her birth. And so, you know, we were 19 and... I spent every other day with her the month before she gave birth. And then I was there supporting her during labor and and during birth. And then I spent for the month after she gave birth, I was there every other day supporting her during that time too. And I really didn't, I hadn't had any trainings. It, I just was there as a friend tending to her. So that's how I got interested. I remember a moment at the birth when. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to midwifery school. I think anybody who attends a birth has that moment of like, I have to be at birth all the time. This is amazing. I didn't go on to midwifery school, but I did do a doula training. I spent a month with a midwife in Mexico. And then I'm also, at that time, I was um, dancing a lot and went to college and studied dance. And then I came back to Oregon and met my husband. And it wasn't until I had my son, who's now 14, that, and I had my own postpartum experience that I realized that it's postpartum, especially at that time, that it's so overlooked. And so it was really my own experience of being postpartum and, and having a really slow physical recovery. I really, I went into it with the idea that birth is natural and I had a home birth and breastfeeding is natural. I just had this idea that because it's all natural and and those things went really well for me that, that you, that I could just jump back into life. That like I could literally just strap my baby on and continue working, continue volunteering in my community and not really have a pause after giving birth. It was that experience of my own time being postpartum. And then almost four years later, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I just knew that there had to be some other way to do the postpartum time. And I called up my mother-in-law, who is from Vietnam, 
And she started telling me all kinds of old traditional ways. And at this point right now, I think many people who are entering, who are getting pregnant or entering into birth work are hearing a lot more about postpartum traditions or postpartum care. But at at that time, there really wasn't that much talk about it. And so um, it was really that conversation with her that transformed my understanding of what's needed after we give birth. Can you talk more about what exactly it is? Like what is included in a postpartum plan or what are some of the considerations that people may have? The biggest piece is rest. The biggest piece is rest, slowing down, taking a break from all other responsibilities. For so many reasons, that can be the hardest part for people to wrap their heads around. To make that rest possible, it's we need support. We need the support of our families, our friends. It could be paid support. We need people to come in and help us. And then the other piece is care. And the, that's where the traditional postpartum practices come into play. And that's also where the care of the healthcare system, whether that's your midwife or your doctor, your lactation consultant, we need that kind of care to come in and help us fully recover, help us with breastfeeding or lactation, all the different aspects. I've heard this called the fourth trimester, you know, is that the, yes. about this, this amount of time that we're talking about? Yeah. So there's the fourth trimester, which we you know, which is going to be three months roughly, but it's also just referring in a more general sense. People also say you're postpartum until your baby is out of diapers and you've weaned. And so there's, there's a lot of different ways of looking at the postpartum time. But one of the really universal time periods is 40 days or six weeks. I mean, even here, the final within in the US healthcare system, the final visit with the midwife or the doctor happens at six weeks. And that said, so I, I encourage people to plan to have rest and care for a specific amount of time. And I also like to really emphasize that at that final visit at six weeks postpartum, many of the challenges challenges of the postpartum time haven't been resolved or haven't begun. And so it's that much more important to have other resources in place, other sources of support. So tell me, what would you like to see in like the larger sense, like beyond just bringing more awareness? I know you have the workbook, for example, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, but like, and it's being translated into all these different languages in, in like Italian and Spanish and Portuguese and Russian. So there's a, this is catching on, like people are really inspired by this mission and this message. So can you talk a little bit about like, what, how would the world look? How, what would be different about things if, if we had more of this involved? I have this joke that that really like the needs, our needs after we give birth, or the needs of a mother are really complete societal transformation. Like we need safety, we need nourishing food, like it's kind of, we need a really different political systems. We need such big, big things. However, on a more practical level, we need parental leave. For both parents. And I think that it's really um, worth mentioning if people are self employed, this means you have to give yourself 
leave. You have to take time off from work. And then I think we need more the postpartum visits with the doctors. The OB needs to, there needs to be more of them. We just need more robust healthcare system that can really wrap care around families. And we need more midwifery, home birth midwifery, birth center, hospital. We need this to be the standard of care. And that's really about having centering birth and postpartum as a natural process and also about about having relationship-based care. There's so many picture picture components to this, but I really like to focus on thinking about the change we need happening family by family, bringing it back to empowering parents to create a postpartum plan and to pull their family and friends, their community in around them to support them. Because we also, what we need is people who understand how to take care of each other. And so that's part of what's happening when when we're making a postpartum plan and we're asking our communities to support us. We are also educating them about what it means to support someone. So beautiful. Like when, when you were talking, I was thinking, what if we treated women post-birth like radically like the, the center, the most important thing? And then like that created the ripple effect of completely changing our society because we're valuing life at its foundation. What a radical thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that this time affects as mothers, as birthing people, this time, these early weeks affect our relationship with our child, affect our relationship with mothering, with parenting. And of course, how we're taken care of affects our baby and their development. There's the thing is at this point, there is so much research, so much evidence backing up all these ideas of supporting parents after birth. You are so passionate about your work. Like it's really mission driven. I see that. And you've also told me that being in business has been transformative for you. So can you talk a little bit about that? So it's interesting because I really started writing the workbook during a time when my children were still really small, I was mostly at home. My husband and I have a handmade paper lights business, high highlights. For me, writing the workbook and the process of bringing it out into the world has been also a process of expanding myself and showing up for this work is I see this as it's absolutely like I feel like my purpose work is my also my personal growth practice. Mm. That it's kind of one in the same. Yeah. I love to talk about that and how entrepreneurship really can be a portal for our growth. I feel like I've done more self-growth being in business for myself than I did in like the years previous when I was in therapy and doing yoga and all these things. So yeah. You know, I think in a way it's like, we know we have something that's needed by the world and we know that we need to work at getting out of the way, getting over our hangups, getting over our fears, whatever it is in order to, to share, it pushes us to show up bigger and more clear, give voice to what's important. So can you tell us a little bit more about the workbook and like what's in it and how does it help people? 
Yeah, so it is roughly 100 pages. It has crucial information about the postpartum time, things like lactation, breastfeeding, postpartum care modalities, cesarean recovery, NICU experiences, mental health, these, these important aspects of postpartum experiences. And then it also has lists and lists of ideas about how to get our needs met. It has questions to help parents reflect on what they have and what, what resources they have and also what's important to them. It's important information, it's ideas, resources, and a reflective process. And it really, I think that, there, you know, in this day and age, we are inundated with social media and information, books. There's just so much content about everything. What the workbook offers is a reflective process so that people can sit with pen and paper and write down their ideas, scribble out things that don't work for them, circle things, really have a process which is very, I think, especially for parents where there's so much put on us that we should do things a certain way. And it's easy even to take postpartum care or traditional postpartum practices as something that we should do or we should look a certain way. And so what I'm really, my intention is to give the power back to parents to get really clear about what's important to them and what's possible for them. And you also help people, you like guide people in this process and then also help birth workers understand the value of postpartum and even are developing a certification for them so they can. So can you talk a little bit more about that? It's interesting. Before the pandemic started, my goal for 2020 was to create the Power of Postpartum Planning Workshop. And I was in dialogue with some of the translators in Europe and had visions of going to Europe and teaching this workshop. And then the pandemic happened, and I kind of put that goal aside for a while. And um, living in a small community here in Astoria that's really under-resourced for maternal health care in some ways. So I watched how our local health care system prioritized disease control, of course, because of COVID over lactation services. And we ended up not really having any lactation support. So I helped organize kind of an ad hoc lactation support system for our county. And from doing this, it gave me the vision of a new maternal health care role, which is the postpartum navigator. And the idea with this role is that The navigator supports parents in planning for the postpartum and then is there to continue to support them during the first few months postpartum. And it's really about being a resource hub. Going back to a year ago, I sat with this vision of the Power of Postpartum Planning Workshop that I had initially wanted to create and the idea of this new maternal health role, the navigator. and. Um, created a training. And so last fall, we did the first round. And I had doulas from across the country and our local midwives, hospital midwives, home birth midwives, social workers, all involved in this training. And 
The power of postpartum planning is the first part of the training. And this is really about the idea that we need everybody who has contact with expectant parents to be talking about the importance of the postpartum time and the importance of postpartum planning. And then the the rest of the training sets them up for doing postpartum navigation. And I'm really excited to have a handful of local birth workers who are continuing on to do this work. Beautiful. I love that. And it it dovetails so nicely into what we were talking about before around community and being such a community builder. So can you just talk about specifically like how this work around working with birth, working with mothers, like how community plays into our, our, you know, our families and like having those connections, how important that is and how you're doing that during this time of COVID. Like, how are you continuing to build community? It's so interesting because before the pandemic, I feel like for both my husband and I, our answer to any personal challenge or business challenge is, has always been, well, let's bring people together. Let's have a party. Let's do an event. It's always, we've always looked to community building as how we operate in the world. And so it's been a big shift. I've had to really see community building in a different way. And part of that is to to recognize the importance of one-on-one relationships and really like what it means to stay in touch and support people through hard times. We've had lots of collective crises to navigate through this last year and a half. And I have this saying, which is help the vulnerable and help the helpers. When there's a crisis, help the vulnerable and help the helpers. And so I'm always like in thinking about maternal health care in my county where I live, I'm thinking about individual parents and how I can support them. But I'm also thinking about how I can support the doulas, how I can support the midwives and the lactation consultants. And a lot of that is really just, like I said, like this one-on-one type of support. I also, I I organize meetings on Zoom. We were just about to have our first in-person meeting of, of maternal health professionals. And in the pandemic, the variant reared its head. And so we just went back to Zoom. So we do use... I I do um, really recommend using the tools at hand to bring people together, really like thinking about the individual relationships that we have and how to nurture them. So important. And also as a person who doesn't have children, you know, I, I love being around children and I love helping. So like when you're talking about the postpartum plan, it involves the whole community of people, like you said, that touch that family. So what is it that people can do? Like if they're wanting to be of a support to somebody who is who is going to give birth? What would you recommend? So I think about it, I guess I, as a community member or friend or family, I think about it in a couple different ways. If you are in person and you're able to come in and help tend to the house in any sort of way, bring food, hold the baby so mom can shower, clean up for her, play with the older children, like really just get in there and be supportive. That's wonderful. And also just being there, just literally like so that she's, if once a partner's gone back to work or is out of the house, so she's not home alone with a baby or home alone with a baby and older siblings. 
So that's one element um, or one approach. And then I've also been thinking a lot about how do we support people when we can't be in the home, when we are distancing. When we live in the same town, some of the ways that we can support somebody. And this really, I have to say, this goes for when people are sick, too. There's a lot of ways that we can support family members and friends who are postpartum that are similar to when when they're sick. If you live in the same place and you're wanting to support someone, you can bring them food. You can go shopping for them. You can do their laundry. You can walk their dog. Any kind of yard work anything outside, animal care. It could even be like taking the car to get an oil change. Like there are things, I think that's where it's like getting really creative about what are the life tasks that need to be taken care of and how can we help? And then if we're not in the same town, we can, this is for really close people. I call this the bossy check-in. It's regularly checking in to say, how are you? Are you eating? Are you staying hydrated? Are you taking whatever medicines or any other kind of self-care thing that you're wanting to be doing? Are you doing those things? And if they are have, let's say they're dealing with mastitis, checking in about the pain that they're having on their temperature. I've had a friend who was dealing with a kidney infection who was really, really sick. And I was asking her how much she'd been peeing. You know, these like, really, you can get in there and get, I think sometimes people are scared to get too personal or too bossy or give too much advice or give, there's just this like, well, we'll just step back and give them space. Knowing who your close people are that you can just get in there and support in those kind of intimate bossy ways is, I think it's community care. It's, it's, it's our kin work. Other ways of supporting People from a distance can be things like figuring out how their local people can help. Maybe you'd have people in common or maybe you figure out what they need from the store. A lot of times when we're postpartum or when we're sick, we're so overwhelmed that getting things organized just feels like too much. And so having somebody to talk through, like, I need these things from this store and this list from another store and who can do that. And just like very methodically slowing down and figuring out what's needed and talking through all of that. So those are some, those are some ways to support people that can be applied in all different kinds of ways. If you are looking for better ways to understand astrology and yourself, you are in luck because I have a course out now called The Planets, and it goes in depth into the stories of the planets, their characteristics, how we can have a relationship with them, how they may afflict us and what to do about it. You also learn a lot about karma, about Vedic astrology and what it is, where it originates from, how to read your chart. So it's a pretty in-depth look and a helpful tool for you to better understand astrology. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to weaveyourbliss.teachable.com. You'll see the planets there and you can click through and learn more. (music) 
I love that you said can work. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So a dear friend of mine, she picked up that term from a sociology class at University of Oregon over 20 years ago. And so she and I use it in conversation, can work. And I actually, I have gone on to kind of think about my life in terms of my self-work, my kin work, and my purpose work. There's times when the lines between these are blurred. And I think the postpartum time is the time when they all really become the same. Our purpose of taking care of our baby and taking care of ourselves, that is our kin, that's our self, it's all in one. But I, I feel like in terms of life purpose, that my self-work and my kin work and my purpose work, my work in the world are all part of my life purpose, my life work. So beautiful. And you so naturally answered my question about living in your purpose. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts related to that? This is the theme of this podcast, really. So. I like to bring on people that really do feel like they're living in their purpose so they can talk about it. <laughs> Thinking about self-work, for me, that is that includes self-care. It includes things like exercise and eating well, lifestyle choices. But it also includes self... For me, self-work includes healing trauma and healing ancestral trauma. It includes asking myself and continuing to tap into what what brings me joy, what makes me feel most alive. And without the self-work, the kin work, the caring for our family and close people, it's unsustainable. And the same with our purpose work, our work in the world, the greater world, without that foundation of self-work, it's not only unsustainable, but we're also limiting what we can bring forth in the world without doing that self work. So beautiful. And then the community care piece is so important too. And I know that you and I both share, you know, a desire for more social justice and and things like that. And, you know, that community care piece is like noticing that other people aren't getting the same, they don't have the same privilege, they don't have the same rights, they don't have the same abilities. So how do we include them and throw our arms around them and try to find ways that we can lift them up? How does that fit in? The way that I see it is that regardless of what our work in the world is, our purpose work, working towards social justice can be included in all spheres. Everything we do in the world is a is ground for doing that work. And in order to show up for that work, I'm going to circle back to the self-work. I would argue that, for instance, Doing work around racism and learning about anti-racism is self-work that enables us to show up in the world ready to do the work in the outer in a way of service to the world. So beautiful. (laughs) So what I love about Kestrel's chart, for those of you who are into the astrology, is like she has this beautiful combination with Mars and Moon and Jupiter in her 10th house. So when we're talking about her work, it's visioning ways to support women and you know her her mars owns her eighth house and jupiter owns her fourth house she is a virgo so she's got this beautiful mercury currently by transit in her first house but that means that those two the the place of our physical juice our vitality is in alignment with 
the moon and with the owner of the eighth house, Mars, which is all about the womb and the birth and the dark and that under the, the surface things, the, the, the shadow work, you know what I mean? And bringing that forth into the world through her work. So it's so beautiful to see how, you know, all of that is sort of an alchemy in you and you're, you're kind of making magic from that, whether it's working herbs, which we haven't even talked about. She's, this woman loves herbs and makes special herb blends for her clients and things, grows them herself. So, um, you know, there's, there's this working with the earth, working with things that are unseen and bringing them forward, but also doing that shadow work and that being really a part of, of your work. So does that feel true? Does that feel like a, yeah, I love hearing your, um, your take on my chart and explaining how all those pieces fit together. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And it's, it's just so amazing when we do that work, we go deep and we try to really understand like, what are the specific things, the karmas that we're going to have to untie in this lifetime. And we go for it and we do that work. There's like this beautiful blossoming and this beautiful alchemy that can come out of that, you know, and I personally love the format of business (laughs) for helping go deep into that work because it forces you to, because you, you want to show up and give your gift. And so in order to do that, like you said, you got to get out of your own way. Did you have anything else you specifically would love to share around some of the topics we talked about? I know there's so much we could talk about. Like I would love to hear about high highlights and where, you know, how art and creativity play into your life and like the importance of that, if you want to talk about it. Yeah. I think first I want to just circle back to kin work and where my own, like my day-to-day life and my work around postpartum, all of this comes back to the importance of parenting. Like when I talk about the importance of kin work and kin work being part of our purpose work, I'm also through that saying that our work as parents is purpose work, is crucial. It's service work for society. I just want to emphasize. And I think that that the lack of that understanding, the undervaluing of parenting is part of what makes the postpartum time so hard. Because here we are thrown into dedicating every moment to this baby. And we have a society that doesn't see the value and importance of that work. I just really want to emphasize that. And then in terms of creativity, um, yes. I mean, I feel like having areas of our life where we get to play, where we get to vision, where we can feel light and levity is so important. For me, some of that comes through with my collaboration with my husband. We make, like I mentioned, handmade paper lights. He makes the paper and bends the wire into armatures and applies his handmade paper to the armatures. And then I do the painting on them. And we do custom work for people's homes and also for businesses. And a lot of times it's a creative process with our customers or clients that feels really creative and fun. And, and I love color. It's funny because and then this goes back into my garden and my herbs. 
I love the flowers in the garden for their color. I also grow some natural dye plants and do a little bit of natural dyeing, but it's literally the time I spend with my hands plucking the flowers and just looking at those oranges and yellows and just taking in that color that feels so deeply nourishing that Mm. that in and of itself is a practice for me. Beautiful. And I love that, you know, another thing that is a major strength of yours is that you've been homeschooling your kids for a long time. So you involve them in like this kind of world and this aspect through very creatively deciding how you're going to teach your kids. And I remember right when COVID started and all these parents were like, oh my God, you were like providing so much leadership around how to take care of your kids in a new way at home and make sure they're still learning whether or not you want to be a homeschool parent, but like, how do you create that container? Part of what I was helping some of our local parents with is just the challenge and opportunity of having kids at home all day, every day, which homeschooling, that's most for for many homeschool families, that's the lifestyle. Everybody got thrown into that kids at home all the time lifestyle. There's really simple ways of making it more nourishing for both the parents and the children. And on the, like at a very foundational level is the idea of rhythm. This really goes back to living close to the land. When we're living close to the land, you naturally have the the day-to-day rhythms of tending to the garden or the animals, and you have the seasonal rhythms. So when we don't have those in place, it's not put on us from our lifestyle, we can create some of that. And it really is a way of tending to our nervous system. And then as far as like what I've used for homeschooling my kids, I have a curriculum that I use called Anki Education. And it's really similar to Waldorf in a lot of ways, but it's a global cultures curriculum. I originally found it by Googling Waldorf and multicultural because I knew I didn't want something that was Eurocentric. I love the story and artwork and all of that of Waldorf. So that's what we've used. And I'm at this point, um, very loose, creative, fly by to see my pants with my homeschooling for my, I have uh, my daughter's going into fifth grade this year and my son is starting ninth grade. And for my son, starting last year, we brought in a math and science tutor. So I'm also bringing in help with that. Beautiful. I love that. It's also empowering to be like, I can also bring in help if I don't all the <laughs> details and I want my kids to have the education. It's totally fine. You can bring yeah, in I, help. I don't really feel like learning high school math and science and sharing that with him. I'm really happy to have someone help with that. Wonderful. So I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Is that okay? Yes. The one is, what is one piece of advice that has really helped you in your life? My dad told me years ago, everything you start grows. What you put energy into, what you dedicate yourself to will grow over time. And I think recognizing how that unfolds is really important to think about what we, what we put our energy into. Yeah. I've heard that said and like, what do you focus on expands or where you put your prana, like your awareness is going to be major in your life, like that focus. So that's beautiful. So when you feel anxious, confused, or frustrated, what is the first thing you do to ground yourself? I go outside 
Me too. <laughs> Nature. What is your favorite hot beverage? Coffee. <laughs> that is by far the most popular answer. <laughs> what would be your last meal on earth? I guess a big salad from the garden and grilled salmon. Keep it simple. Do you have a morning routine? And if so, what part, if any, is non-negotiable? I do have a morning routine and pretty much the whole thing is non-negotiable at this point. <laughs> I wake up and I, then I literally lay back down and do some very gentle exercises on my back on the floor. And then I sit at my altar and have do some Qigong breathing exercises, do some meditative prayer space. And then I get on my phone and check everything and drink warm salted water. And then my husband and I do our qigong together. And then I make coffee and clean up the kitchen a little bit. And then I drink my coffee and journal. And then I go for a walk. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're an inspiration for all parents, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> that has evolved over time. I was not doing that whole thing. Even a few couple years ago, I didn't have the time in the morning to do that. And I have just prioritized having that time so that I can really show up for my family and my work through the rest of the day. Wonderful. Tell us about a person who inspires you and why. I have a mentor. Her name is Sister Morningstar. She lives such a dedicated life to her land, her community, and to the divine. She's just always who I think of when I need to think of an inspired life and who I go to for wisdom. So what's one thing that brings you joy right now? The sunshine, the autumn, feeling that the autumn energy is here and the, the sunshine. I know that's very important. <laughs> the story of having <laughs> previously the lived there. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm like, whoa, it's the sunshine's all the time now that we're in Maine. <laughs> Yeah, it's really wild. And in the winter, especially, we're like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> Even though there's snow on the ground and it's like 20 degrees, it's sunny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so where can people find you online? And is there anything you'd like people to specifically know about that you like any freebies or courses or anything that you're wanting them to know about? Yeah, first of all, you can find the workbook on Amazon I think we didn't cover that it's in English, of course, French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, German, and Russian. And those translations, you can find all of those at my website, which is buildyournestworkbook.com. And you can find me on Instagram, um, buildyournest, and Facebook. And then as far as offerings, I have a free class for birth professionals, and that's on my website. And then I'm just about to finish up a book club kit, which will set people up for creating a book club or class series with the workbook. And this can be used by birth professionals, and it can also be used by parents with other parents. So that's coming up and there's a wait list. And then in the fall, in a few months, I'll be relaunching the Power of Postpartum Planning Workshop, which is for all maternal health care professionals. And then the Postpartum Navigator training will also be coming up and there's a wait list for that. Great. So wonderful. Well, thank you for being here. It's such a pleasure to see you and to chat and I'm excited for what you're creating. Thank you so much for having me, Paula. It's been fun. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Weave Your Bliss podcast. We hope it was inspiring for you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a comment for us. I want to thank the team at Team Podcast who helped get this podcast out to you. And also to thank the musicians who were the creators of this beautiful music we're listening to now. It comes from an album, Fragments of a Season, by Alexis Georgopoulos and Jeffrey Cantulodesma. So check it out wherever you get your music. Have a wonderful day, and we will connect soon on a future episode. 